My name is Frank Jan. I was marketing manager at USA's Tyson Entertainment. I was also the co-programmer and interpreter at the New York Asian Film Festival. I co-host the Superhero Kung Fu Extravaganza panel at the San Diego Comic Con for the past 26 years since 1998, and I'm also the co-producer of the Bruce Boitation documentary Enter the Clones of Bruce. Welcome to the audio commentary for Eureka's special edition Blu-ray of She Shoots Straight, Wong Ga Lui Zhang, the 1990 Girls on Guns classic directed by Corey Yun Kwai that features a totally ass-kicking performance by Mrs. Sammo Hong herself, Joyce Mina Gadenzi, Go Lai Hong. The Chinese title, Wang Ga Liu Zheng, literally means royal family female warriors. Wang Ga is a short, you know, the uh, abbreviated term for the Royal Hong Kong Police. Wang Ga can also mean the Huang family, the Wang family. It's just using a different word for the word Wang. So there's double meaning here, and also there's a very significant meaning of the whole title, which I'll go over later. Uh, it also has an alternate English title, Lethal Lady, uh, ran in Hong Kong cinemas from April 7, 1990 to April 27th. 1990, three weeks. Box office was 9.96 million Hong Kong dollars, which is about 1.4 million uh, US, which is actually pretty good. Earlier, we saw the uh, logo for Boho Films Company, the Sam Hong's production company at Golden Harvest. Is uh, the name consists of Bo, which is Samo's uh, Chinese name, Hong Gum Bo, you know, one of the Chinese characters. Bo and Wo. Wo is the Chinese word for harvest, so Golden Harvest. So that implies this company is a collaboration between Samuel Hong and Golden Harvest. I like how you hear the bells tolling before you see the opening shots of the bell itself, the flower bell, floral bell. This is shot at St. Margaret Mary's Catholic Church in the Happy Valley District. On the Hong Kong Island side, it's actually the same church used in Chow Yun-Fat and Karina Lau's wedding sequence for Rich and Famous, which is also available from Eureka. The opening voiceover is by Tang Big Wan's mother character. He, she plays mother in the film. This is Nguo Kin, as policeman say attention. Uh, he played policeman in most of the 152 films that he appeared in between 1981 and 1995 because he just had that kind of like a cop look. So anyway, you over, you know, earlier you heard the opening opening voiceover by Tang Big Wan, who played mother in the film, which tells you right away that her husband is also a cop and he has already passed away. So right away, you already have a sense of the kind of like a missing masculinity in the films, you know, family, and how it's the women who will be in charge. And of course, once again, right here, we're already introduced to, you know, all the major characters in the film. You have Tang Big Wan's mother here, Karina Lau's character here. You have uh, Helena Law's Ama, you know, the maid character, Sandra, mm, you know, you have um, uh, Angelie Leung, you have Sarah Lee, Sarah Lee here. So all the Wong family sisters right away, you know, they introduce all within this little wedding sequence here. So also it has a very traditional Chinese thinking in terms of the voiceover that we heard earlier with mother in the opening scene where you know I hope the son will bear a grandson for the Wong family so that the male heritage will continue. Of course, having a son is very important to the Chinese family. And of course, we also introduced Sammo Hong's character. Sammo here really took a back seat to both his acting and his actions so that he could let his wife, Joyce Gadensi, here on the left, shine in the film. Lotus Seed, of course, Lin San Guaiji. So, another very Chinese way of, you know, I, I guess you can say it's a little bit of superstitious too, you know, like the fact that if you eat lotus seed, you actually you bear a son. 
that's how you're bearing this, you know, bearing the fruit for the sun. And so I'll talk about Tony Leung and Joy's character later. I'll talk about everybody's <laughs> characters later. So this scene on the steps of the church really established all the characters in the Wong family and all the conflicts in all their, their you know, what any what kind of issues they have among each other. Very nicely, you know, we introduce all the major family members here. And you know, right away you see there's a conflict between sisters and Mina and how they really kind of don't like their new sister-in-law that much for whatever reason. Here we have the late David Lau, Lao Ziweng as Mina's superior, dubbing his own voice here. There are only three people in this film that dub their own voice. I'll point them out as they show up. So right away you see that they, you know, they really don't like her that much. And you know, the reason was never really kind of made clear. Is it because she's Eurasian? Is it because she always gets the recognition? Either because she's good looking or because she really does her, you know does her work, uh, you know work well, you know because they're all police women and you know they all felt that uh, you know Mina has all the spotlights and stuff. And also, see again, you know this is a very Chinese thinking. You know, you're not, you're not, your last name is not Wong. You shouldn't be with us. But then he's you know he's like the god you know like the godfather to, you know I mean he he's kind of you know like a like godson to them so. In a way, he is part of family too, and I just like how he would just squeeze himself into the family picture here. See, because fifty percent, you know, he's like fifty percent part. So, um, I love how mother is wiping her late, cleaning her late, late husband's gun in front of this very traditional Chinese temple here. She's basically playing the same Ma Da character. Ma Da, of course, you know, the Chinese, the literal Chinese sounding word for mother. That she played in TVB's long-running soap opera, The Season, Guai Ji, TVB, Hong Kong's largest television network. I will go over The Season. Well, I, let me talk about Season now because, you know, why she's, why she's here. So Season, uh, Guai Ji, it, it was a 389-episode drama series that was shown during uh, TVB's uh, variety show, Enjoy Yourself Tonight, from 1987 to 1988. So the show was a, like a section of that main program, you know, the variety show, was already kind of groundbreaking in the variety show, Enjoy Yourself Tonight, or AKA EYT. Usually just a variety from beginning to end. But somehow, in 1987, TVB, you know, the Hong Kong's largest television network, decided to add in this little drama, soap opera, 15-minute drama series, uh, the season, in the middle of the variety show. And... And because, you know, the variety show itself is only about an hour long, they can't have a long soap opera, you know, within that show. So the season was only 15 minutes long, which is really a rarity in Hong Kong television drama programs. And earlier we also saw the legendary veteran TV and film actress Helena Law, Law Lan as the Yama, and also dubbing her own voice there. Uh, born in 1934, she has appeared in close to 500 films between 1939 and 2022, where she started her career at the age of five, known in later years for playing a creepy old grandmother in horror films like the Troublesome Night series. I actually met her at a restaurant a few years ago. She was kind enough to talk to me and took a picture with me. She's a devoted Catholic, and she asked me if I'm a Catholic. Well, I am a Catholic, and I said, yeah. So she reminded me, oh, we got to go to church for Palm Sunday because it's, it was like Lent when I met her. She's still working now at 89 years young and still very healthy. And because her voice is so recognizable, she almost always dubbed her own voice for her film appearance. Now I'll talk about Dang Big One's mother character later. So earlier we saw the two Singaporean lady in the film. Uh, we have Jenny Kwan uh, as, uh, in her only film appearance as Princess Companion. Princess was played by her real-life sister, uh, Melinda, Kwan, Melinda Kwan. And... 
Melinda Kwan was also from Singapore. She has appeared only in nine Hong Kong films between 1988 and 1991. She was also in Woman Prison, playing a psychiatrist, and her last Hong Kong film was in Queen's High. So the exterior of this fashion show was shot at the Harborview Renaissance Hotel in Wan Chai District on the Hong Kong Island side, right next to the Hong Kong Convention Center, although at that time, the Convention Center was still uh, in construction, I believe. Um, we have this very nicely edited sequence where we introduced to the film's first group of villains, the Kidnappers. The uh, leader is played by mustache actor Michael Dinga. I'll talk about him later. And then the Kidnappers were played by... Uh, Caucasian uh, stuntmen and actors, Ken Goodman, Bruce Fontaine, Mark Holden, and Jeff Falcon, but a few of them, like especially uh, Ken and Jeff, was really like bling and you missed them. Amid all this smoke and fog, you know. So right away, you have Karina Lau really kind of playing against type at this strong, you know, strong uh, lady here, strong policewoman here, taking charge. When she sees something, you know, not not you know something is going wrong, and that the uh, the decoy princess, you know, played by their, you know, played by Mina, has been kidnapped by these uh, kidnappers. So that was uh, Bruce Fontaine. We just that's Bruce Fontaine with the mustache. Again, slow motion to emphasize the action for the stunt. So right away, less than 10 minutes into the film, we have this gunfight sequence. That, that's actor and stuntman Ken Goodman here with the automatic rifle. He has appeared in 18 films between 1988 and 1991, with a few of them being Hong Kong productions such as this one, City Cops, Tiger on the B2, Jack Chan's Armor of God 2, and the Category 3 Classic Robotry. And that, blink and you miss, was Mark Holton, who just got shot and killed. Martial artist from the UK who went to Hong Kong to live there because he loved Hong Kong movies so much. He became good friend with legendary uh, martial arts choreographer and actor uh, Lao Galang, and Mark sort of took over watching Lao's legacy after Lao Galang passed away. He's uh, currently teaching Kung Fu at the Lao Family Honggar Kung Fu School in Hong Kong. He starred in over 50 films between 1989 and 1998, and he fought Samuel in Skinny Tiger Fatty Dragon, which is also available from Eureka. His daughter Charlene is also an up-and-coming martial arts actress. Nice little POV shot there with the car. So earlier we saw the mustache white guy, Canadian actor, stuntman Bruce Fontaine, also getting killed. He has appeared in about 20 Hong Kong films that include Aces Go Places 5, Inspector Wear Skirts 2, Casino Raiders, Korean Pepper, Jackie Chan's Armor God 2, Angel Terminators 1 and 2, and the late Benny Chan's cop and robber film Big Bullet. So that's Michael Dinger here with the sunglasses and mustache. He has acted in 17 films between 1986 and 2004. He appears to be either Indian or mixed Chinese-Indian because of his last name. Fans of John Woo's Hard Boy will probably recognize him from that film. I love the fact that how some of the film's characters use their own names, such as Mina here, you know, Mina Joy's middle name. This is shot right on Harbour Road in Wan Jai, outside the entrance of the convention center. It's right by the Wan Jai Harbor here. That is pretty just stunt double. And then the close-up shot, we see Mina here. So still pretty dangerous. So now, now we're on Gloucester Road, Gloucester Road, heading towards the Cross Harbor Tunnel entrance uh, near Causeway Bay. So we have this pretty amazing you know, uh, car chase here. 
The film's action choreography is by Yun Duck, Corey Yun Kwai, the director, and Mang Hoi. Uh, Corey Yun and Mang Hoi, of course, both work on Yes, Madam. Sue Warriors and Lady Reporter, they're all available from Eureka. Yun Duck, Yun Duck uh, was born in 1956. He's a director, you know, action director, actor, and a martial arts choreographer. His real name is actually uh, Hong Chen Duck. Now, Hong is actually the last name of Confucius, and he's actually a direct descendant of Confucius. He's Confucius' uh, 75th generation grandson. It's true. So anyway, so he uh, enrolled in Master Yi Jim Yun's uh, Peking Opera School in 1962, along with, you know, Sam Hong, Jackie Chan, Yun Bill, Kaoru Yun, Yun Hua, Yun Ban. So he's a part of the Seven Little Fortunes. The Mang Hoi was an important member of Sam Hong's stunt team, during the eighties, often worked with Jackie Chan, Yun Bill in their films as well. And like you know, he was uh, like many who worked with Jackie or Sam or Yun. Uh, Mang Ho was also a student at the famous opera school, but not by Jimmy Yun, not by Eugene Yun, but ran by Madame Van Gogh Fa. He went on to stunt work, appearing in small roles in such films as Enter the Dragon. He was the kid who loosely kind of packed him on the head and hands him the rope when Peter Archer was floating on the back of the boat. He was also in like Challenger Master, Warriors Two, Shaolin Plot. Uh, Warriors 2 and Shalabar also available from Eureka and also Hitman in the Hand of Buddha. People getting more sizable roles such as Yun Bill's monk companion in Cherry Hawk's magnum opus, Sue Warriors from the Magic Mountain, or one of the cops in Samong's Heart of Dragon. That is like almost like a dirty hair homage to with her pointing the gun. So anyway, so Mang Hoi also won a Best Supporting Acting Award for his performance in Yes Madam, which is all which he also choreographed with Corey Yun. So Yes Madam and Sue Warriors are also available from Eureka. Uh, Mang Ho also did action directing films like Brandon Lee's Legacy of Rage, No Retreat, No Surrender, Royal Warriors, Pedicab Driver, Riding Wrongs, and The Blade. For a time, Mang Ho was dating Cynthia Rothrock and directed her film Lady Reporter, a.k.a. Blonde Fury. I'll talk about Koru Yun, the director and the uh, third action choreographer later. Hey, <laughs> 两公婆是不是分得这么清楚啊? Again, we see further conflict between, you know, uh, the big brother and his fellow sister. Karina Lau here, Lau Gaoling, a.k.a. Mrs. Tony Leung, Leung Chi Wai, not this Tony, Leung Gao Fai. She was born in Suzhou province, China, in 1965. And uh, his uh, family was uh, actually, uh, went through a lot of... uh, you know, um, condemnation during the uh, Cultural Revolution between 1966 and 76. So they, the whole family, Lao's family, Karina's family, decided to escape to Hong Kong at the end of the Cultural Revolution in around 1976. And the dad went to Hong Kong first, his, her dad went first, and then two years later, he, you know, his wife and Karina also, his, uh, her brother, went to Hong Kong. So she, she moved there uh, at the age of 13. She was accepted into the Hong Kong TVB training school in 1982. Her fellow classmates include Lao Qingwan and Sandra M, who, of course, is also in this film. And after she graduated from 1983, she was, um, you know, started acting in small roles, and then she became uh, f- popular for acting in the 1984 series uh, Police Cadet with Tony Leung Chihuahua. Uh, and But at that time, they didn't really fall in love until 1988, when they both starred in the... Uh, like a stage, uh, you know, a drama on stage, um, stage drama. And they were eventually married in 2008. Now, even though she may not be the lead actress in every film like here, she's you know, not a lead actress here, uh, she really, you know, does a really good job in acting. And she also played a variety of roles. And in 1990, she left TVB to become, you know, a strictly a film actress. She's, you know, she makes so many films, Rich and Famous and Tragic Hero were her first major film roles. 
both uh, available from me. Rika, she would then appear in Jackie Chan's Project 82 and she should stray here before appearing as Mimi in Wong Kao's classic ensemble drama Days of Being Wild, a character that she will play again in Wong's futuristic film 2046. Karina also gave memorable performances in Standing Kwan Center Stage, Savior of the Soul, and you start with the late Lester Jiang in He's a Woman, She's a Man, and a sequel, Who's a Woman, Who's a Man, as well as Wong Kao's existential martial arts epic, Ashes of Time. She was also Eric Zhang's wife in the first two Infernal Affairs films. Her more recent memorable performances as Emperor uh, Wu Zetian, China's first female ruler in the Detective D film series, which was Choi Hak's ancient China version of Sherlock Holmes. So Karina has starred in 74 films between 1986 and 2022. And Tony Leung here, as Joy's husband, Wang Zhongbo, whose name and what happened to the character was actually rather significant, but I'll explain that later. Uh, unfortunately, that is not his own voice. Born in 1958, he grew up in uh, the North Point Estate on the Hong Kong Island side. Dad was a clerk, and Mom used to work at the um, Grand, Theater, Grand Cinema in Causeway Bay on the Hong Kong side. She was the uh, ticket; you know, she, she was the ticket operator, and her his aunt uh, was selling popcorn in the in the theater lobby. And so, uh, as a kid, Tony Leung always had a lot of opportunities to watch movies for free, and he has mentioned how. He remembered movies by Marilyn Monroe the most, and and then also he felt that his own childhood upbringing was very similar to the child in Giuseppe uh, Tornatore's cinema Paradiso, and so when he watched that film, he was crying from beginning to end. Anyway, after getting an interior design degree at Hong Kong Polytechnic, Tony joined TVB's actor training course in 1980. Andy Lau was his classmate. And then uh, he was fired by TVB, however, just one year for not following directions. Tony then went into publishing and started his own magazine. And for one of his issues, he interviewed the daughter of acclaimed director Li Han Chang, who he ended up dating, you know, the, the daughter, not him. <laughs> At that time, in 1983, Li was making his film Burning of Imperial Palace in China, and he invited Tony uh, Langafai to, uh, to go to Beijing to play the role Emperor uh, uh, Tam Fung for both this film and a sequel, Rain Behind the Curtain, as the films were being shot back to back, even though Tony didn't say the word of Mandarin. However, his performance in the latter film won him the Best Actor Award at the 1984 Hong Kong Film Awards. This led to a prolific film career spanning 40 years and still going, with Tony appearing in 130 films so far between 1983 and 2023. I'll talk more So earlier we saw the Vietnamese Refugee Center uh, sign. So they were, you know, basically Yunma here was trying to escape from the center. Uh, there was a Vietnamese refugee crisis in Hong Kong uh, uh, for, since the mid-70s. After the Vietnam War ended, many Vietnamese refugees left Vietnam to escape from communist rule and for a better life overseas. And knowing that Hong Kong was designated by the UN as the first port of acceptance for Vietnamese refugees, they flocked to Hong Kong by boat. And the Hong Kong government ended up putting them in temporary housing or camps as they wait to be accepted by other countries like the US, UK, Australia, etc. There were riots in camps that makes Hong Kong people feel the emotion unstable, violent, and psychotic. So there were many films made about them that include Anne Hoy's The Story of Wu Viet and Boat People, Chui Hak's The Battle of Tomorrow 3, Ringo Lam's Wild Surge, and John Woo's Epic Bullet in the Head. The Vietnamese refugee issue in Hong Kong finally faded away by the late 1990s with the handover and most of the refugees being sent to other countries while some of them also decided to stay in Hong Kong and live there. So earlier we introduced two, you know, three of the Vietnamese gang. We have Lam Kai Wing as Quang, 
One of the gang members has appeared in 20 films between 1985 and 1992. I'll point him out when he shows up. That same action right behind you coming up the stairs. It's also in John was a hard boy and Ring Lam's full contact as a henchman for Judge, played by Simon Yam. And of course, we're introduced to the film's main villain, Nguyen Hua, played by Yun Hua. That's him uh, hugging the arms dealer here, played by Stephen Chan. So Yun Hua, real name is Yong Gai Ji, and his Jackie's fellow seven little fortunes, brother from the same Peking Opera School that they went to. He's most well-known for his appearances as Bruce Lee's stunt double in Fist of Fury and Enter the Dragon. He did that backwards flip in the Enter the Dragon opening fight scene. But it was his great villainous performance as a psychotic Vietnamese military commander in Sammo Hong's Eastern Condors that made him a fan favorite. That's him right here with the glasses. Um, he will play a similar villain type again for Samuel in Dragons Forever, which also stars Jackie Chan Yun Bill. His other memorable roles include the villain in Police Story 3 Super Cop with Jackie Chan, the landlord in Stephen Chow's comedy classic Kung Fu Hustle, and as an elder warrior in Marvel's Shang-Chi. He semi-retired in early 2022 at the age of 70 and moved to Vancouver, Canada, but still occasionally stars in films. His most recent, most recent film, as of 2023, was The Comeback with Simon Yim for China's streaming movie, movie channel iQiyi, which was released on the platform in mid-July of 2023. Eastern Condors and Police Story 3 Supercop, they are both available from Eureka. Stephen Chan, he has an arms dealer, Chan Duckwong, starred in 15 films between 1987 and 1996. He was in Johnny Mac produced films such as Long Arm of the Law 2 and 3 and Moonstar and Sun, as well as in Casino Raiders, and two Kurt Wong films, Crime Story with Jackie Chan and Organized Crime and Tribal with Danny Lee. And earlier we were also introduced to his sister, you know, Yunhua's sister in the, character, in the film, played by American-born Filipino martial artist Agnes Aurelio in a Hong Kong film debut. She only starred in four Hong Kong films. This film, The Big Score, License to Steal, and All for the Gamblers, and all within two years. And then she just disappeared. Now, he just said, Lo Ma, Lo Ma, Om Lo Ma Mai. It is the Vietnamese word for fuck you. Now, um, I have to be like, like, you know, I actually work at a library on weekends. And, and I work with uh, quite a few Vietnamese uh, uh, staff, you know, colleagues, and I have to be careful saying the Cantonese word lo, which means old, because the word lo in Cantonese sounds just like the Vietnamese word lo, which is f the F word. But yeah, that was, that was, he was recursing. You notice how in the earlier scene, they were talking to each other in Cantonese, and then gradually the film would become a little bit more authentic in terms of them speaking with Vietnamese with each other here. And there's a nice little John Woo moment there. Obviously, Corey's homage to the killer. Now, that that's it. So the guy behind him is Lam Kai Wang as Kwong, one of his Vietnamese gang members there. Good idea. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Oh, thank you, sir. 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 Thank you, You know, this section, like, of course, we had this sexual harassment by your boss, and, you know, um, 
obviously this was shot back in 99 so in you know like the way she responded to him is really you know kind of uh you know kind of groundbreaking for film in that era i'll talk about lao ji wing later he's uh, also a pretty interesting character and he also dubbed his own voice here but obviously he's playing some kind of a you know some kind of a jerk here in terms of the higher ranks here now again they're back to back to speaking cantonese so you know, I mean, them being Vietnamese, they should be speaking in Vietnamese together. And of course, the Vietnamese dialogue all about Vietnamese voice actors. And earlier, you know, when they went to the arms dealer, there's a term, Dai Hun, a big circle. What that means is you have, the, the, the term actually is usually referred to mainland criminals who would uh, illegally go to Hong Kong, rob a store, a jewelry store, watch store, bank, and then go right back to China. So like a circle. So like a big circle. That's why they, they, these mainland criminals, mainland China criminals from the southern Chinese province are usually referred to as Dai Hun Zai, you know, big, big circle gang or big circle boy. Dai Hun Bong is big circle gang. Dai Hun Zai is big circle boy. So that's the term that people usually refer to these mainland criminals who, who sometimes will actually just Illegally go to Hong Kong, do their job, do a heist, go back to China on the same day. I love how he still had this, you know, like war mentality. You know, talk about fighting, you know, uh, north, like just like North and South fighting. You know, I kind of like that. So okay, like I said, you saw that Jim Sajer station. Exterior shot here. Now I don't know whether the interior is all shot shot there. Eh,不过咁，因为今次任务咧系特别啲，可能会遇到啲尴尬或者难为情嘅事，甚至会蚀底下。所以我唔打算强迫各位参加。嗱，你哋自己决定愿唔愿意参加。And also, you know, the movie talk about forced deportation. You know, <coughs> because by the late eighties, uh, the Hong Kong government decided they can no longer uh, accept more refugees, so they started this. Uh, kind of a like a scheme where if you come in now, you will be deported back to you know, Vietnam right away. And there's this very popular term, uh, announcement like so, like like you know, for them to discourage people from illegally coming to Hong Kong, you broadcast this message in Vietnamese every day, every morning, like around six a.m. or so. And it always start with the term "bắc nào tông nai," which is Vietnamese from from now on, like starting from now. So basically, it's announcing that starting now, we no longer accept you know refugees. If you come in, you'll be deported right away. So, but then this term "bắc nào tông nai" kind of become a really popular term in Hong Kong because it's just so distinctive. Again, you have this, you know, dislike for Mina because of her Eurasian status, jealousy, envy. So, you, you know, you have this female internal conflict here in the Wong family, you know, showing that the sisters are not really united. Well, not just, you know, I mean, not just the fact that they don't like Mina, but also that, you know, the sisters are, are you know, kind of not, not get together because of the fact that they don't want to listen to two, you know, two superiors. You really can't have an operation with two bosses or two leaders.
頭先你哋咁多位問嘅、答嘅話唔參加嘅，多多事實嘅，冚唪唥都係皇家嘅人啦。我真係唔明白，原來你哋一家人咁團結嘅。See again, he's playing this jerk character, you know. He's really kind of like, you know, stirring up shit, so to speak, right? He's um trying to, you know, I mean, he's trying to make the situation worse, so to speak. So some of Tony Leung's, you know, uh, uh, most well-known films include Ringo Lam's *Prison on Fire*, where he played opposite his you know, former TV colleague Charlie Fat. Uh, this is, by the way, the actual exterior of the Big Spender nightclub, but this interior is actually a set. So anyway, going back to Tony Leung real quick. So he, you know, he was in *Prison on Fire* with the tracks of *Better Tomorrow* three with Charlie Fat again and the late Anita Mui. He was in Albert Jones' *Her Fatal Way* with Carol Dudu Chen standing on center stage with Maggie Cheung. The comedy '92 legendary La Rose Noire set in the 1960s, which many attributed it to being Hong Kong's first cult film, and also earned Tony his second best actor accolade at the Hong Kong Film Awards. Dragon Inn remake with Bridget Lin, Wong Kar Wai's Ashes of Time, and Jeff Love's Ashes of Time parody, The Ego Shooting Heroes. He was also in Johnny Toe's judo wrestling drama Throwdown, which is also available from Eureka, and his brother Big D in Johnny Toe's crime epic Election, for which Tony won his third Hong Kong Film Award for best actor. Tony was not only the youngest. Uh, best actor winner in the Hong Kong Film Awards history at 26 years old. He was also the only actor who won Best Actor in every single act decade between you know like the 80s, the 90s, and the 2010s. And what I like about this film is that it has a real plot in between the action with these scenes. You, know, you have dramatic scenes. You have these scenes here. They're not haphazardly put together. While we wait for the next action sequence, you know you have conflict between sisters, you have sexual harassment from your boss, husband wants a kid and the wife doesn't, etc. So this Wang Jiqiang here on the left, uh, next to Karina, is one of the horny customers at the nightclub. He's a character actor who starred in 25 films and made his feature film debut in Johnny Max's two-part Godfather Light Crime Saga, Rich and Famous and Tragic Hero. He was also in Long Arm of the Law 2, Moonstar and Sun, and the cult classic Ricky O, The Story of Ricky. His last film performance was in the prologue of a Stephen Chow comedy for Berlin City Cop. Um, uh, Wang Jiqiang was not an actor, but he was just a businessman, but because of his distinctive look, he did a lot of bit parts. And then uh, earlier we saw his partner, his other customer, with the play by the late character actor Mickey Maikey. He starred in close to 100 films between 1977 and 2000, often played robbers, thugs, or pimps, and he died in 2018. And then in that scene, he also mentioned, you know, yam sao or sao yam, horny hands, which is actually a wordplay on the Chinese term sao yam for masturbation. So now I can talk about the other girls, you know, other sisters from the Wong family. So... Early, we saw Sandra Ng there, um, kind of fighting back again, uh, again against Wong Ji Kang's character. Sandra Ng, a TV and film comedian, one of Hong Kong's best known female comedians. Her dad was a famous actor uh, in the Cantonese black and white film. See, they're speaking Vietnamese again finally. So, anyway, so Sandra's dad was a famous actor in the Cantonese black and white film era and also a popular host for the weekly lottery drawings on TV. Her husband is director Peter Chan of Comrades Almost a Love Story fame. Born in 1965, Sandra started acting at the age of 16, often poking fun at her own self-image. She joined TVB in the 80s and became popular for collaboration with Stephen Chow on two TV series, which later also extended to film, as they worked together in Love is Love in the box office. Uh, hit, All for the Winner, Royal Tram 1 and 2, and All as Well as Ends Well. Uh, she's one of the most prolific actresses, and Sandra has appeared in close to 150 films between 1985 and 2022. She's also known for her roles in the Inspector Wear Skirt series, and for dramatic roles in 
films like Golden Chicken and Zero to Hero, for which she was nominated for Best Actress at the 2022 Hong Kong Film Awards. And I love how you know George was using that huge mobile phone earlier, a product of the late 80s and early 90s for sure. So this is Angeli Leung, Leung Wan Yoi. Uh, born in 1962, she grew up on Broadcast Drive in the affluent Kowloon District, which is also where all the TV station buildings like TVB and Red Vision TV were for many years. And so she was like neighbors with Chow Yun Fat, you know, Farah Chan, and other TVB actors. Uh, after graduating from high school, uh, she went into the uh, interior design or advertising. She was doing advertising. And then she um, enrolled. Uh, she competed in the nineteen eighty two Miss Hong Kong. She won, you know, the top prize. She was she was she was Miss Hong Kong for nineteen eighty two. Joined TVB afterwards, and she played mostly in variety shows. Uh, and because she often have to play kind of like a you know someone with a low IQ, she has this uh, very unflattering uh, nickname called the Moron Miss Hong Kong. She also, of course, uh, appeared in many films. Uh, she has appeared in 27 films between 1984 and 1993. She was in mostly comedies like Merry Christmas, Trey Hawk Working Class, or Sam Hoy, um, you know, before doing more dramatic roles in Jackie Hans Police Story Part 2, Inspector Wears Source 2, and this film. Before appearing in Category 3 films like Hong Kong Jiggle and Jiggle and Whore, both with Simon Yen, although she did not appear nude in any of them. She left the film industry in 1993, became a real estate agent, and Ang Lee Leung is still working in real estate 30 years later as of 2023. So as we go into this infrared, you know, shootout scene, I can talk about the cinematographers. The cinematographers are Tom Lau, Lau Mun Tong, and Jimmy Leung and Ji Meng. Um, so Lau Mun Tong has uh, direct has you know she's he's a cinematographer of over fifty films. He was actually the cinematographer for the classic Sam Hui comedy Security Unlimited. Uh, he was also the um, cinematographer for Writing Wrong, the Chinese ghost story, Last Year in China. Uh, Pedicab Driver, so she and kind of spooky kind too. This film and Chinese Ghost Story three, as well as Swordsman two and Dragon Inn. So he has worked extensively with a lot of the you know um, major Hong Kong talent director like Johnny To, Sam Ho, and Jackie Chan. Jimmy Lan Jiming, a cinematographer for almost thirty films, uh, started his career in nineteen seventy. And uh, he's also a uh, cinematographer on uh, the Jackie Chan's The Protector, uh, Dragons Forever, Samuel's Pedicab Driver, this film, Samuel's Pantyhose Hero, and also uh, Savior of the Soul Part 2. So here you have really a combination of on-location shooting and shooting on a nightclub set. So some shots are actually shot at the nightclub, where some shots, some scenes were shot on the set. Now, this is actually the China-Hong Kong City Terminal area, where you see the cops running along that corridor. That's the China-Hong Kong City Terminal area. That's the uh, terminal ferry terminal, where you can take ferries directly to Macau and Guangzhou. Again, again, a John Woo moment here. Slow motion bloodbath, literal blood, blood bath, blood bath since everything is in red, blood red. 
Nice little scorpion kick here. Now this again, this is a China Hong Kong city, Zhongguang Sheng, the fairy tale. Now they're outside, they ran outside on uh, uh, you know nearby Canton Road here. But yeah, I don't understand how come you know Agnes Aurelio, who played you know Yunhua's sister in this film, just haven't been seen. You know, only appear in very few Hong Kong films, and then she just kind of disappeared. Again, interesting sudden switch of slow motion, a little, almost like a little step printing here as they ran away. And then we gradually, you know, transition to this shot as they mourn the fallen comrade. Music is by Lowell Low, Lo Gunting, who is also a Hong Kong singer, songwriter, actor, and film composer. He was born in 1950. Both his parents were famous Cantonese opera singers. At the age of 16, Lowell and his family moved to Seattle. There he was a family friend of Bruce Lee, studied at both University of Washington and Cornish College of the Arts in Seattle. He returned to Hong Kong in 1977 after working as a bar and lounge singer for eight years, and he started writing songs to make a living, which led to him signing a contract with Hong Kong EMI and releasing his first Cantonese album there called Skybird. Lowell starts part folk and part blues, and then, you know, he's kind of like the Bob Dylan of Hong Kong. Uh, he also uh, wrote uh, actually an album about the democracy movement in Beijing in 1989. <clears throat> he was persuaded to start scoring for Hong Kong films in 1985 with the film Infatuation. Also persuaded by the director to star in it, so which kind of led to a career in acting as well. Um, he left the industry, entertainment industry in 1997, became an environmental activist also, but then he also returned to singing and recording in 2015. He has appeared in films such as uh, Magnificent Warriors with Michelle Yeoh, which is also available from Eureka. He was also in Sam Hong's Pedicab Driver and the It's a Mad 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 World series. As a composer, Lowell has scored close to 70 films, such as this one, and Autumn's Tale, Ringo Lam's On Fire movies, and Wild Search, and Stephen Chow's A Chinese Odyssey Part 1 and 2. By the way, I just love seeing the Queen Elizabeth II picture on the wall. Uh, Lao Ji Wang, David Lau here, dub his own voice here. He's one of the three actors in the film with dub his own voice, besides Dumb Pit One and Helena Law. Born in 1951 in Hong Kong, he's the son of legendary Cantonese opera singer, black and white film actor, veteran TV actor Lao Hak Soon. He uh, was also, he actually went to Marinor Confidence School, uh, uh, elementary school, which is which is an all-girls school, and so he was one of the few male, you know, student, boy student in, a, in an all-female school. He went to Shaw uh, after he graduated from high school in 1971. He became a contractor Shaw actor, but because he didn't feel he was, uh, you know, there's nothing, no chance for him to fully develop, and so he changed his career to become a tailor shop boss, and then because of failed business, he decided to go back to acting. He went to Red Vision Television, and for whatever reason, he became hugely popular and at that network for almost 30-plus years, starring like tens and so many you know, TV series. And also became like a host for Miss Asia contacts there. So he's like, a, you know, a very good variety show MC as well as an actor. He was also uh, one of the few actors who have never appeared in TVB, even though his dad 
you know, Hak Sing acted for both TVB and Red Division Television Network. It was only until uh, David Lau went into politics in 1999 when he was interviewed by TVB. That was the first and only time he appeared in TVB. So it became kind of like a city council district man in 1999. Yeah, it was really kind of like a pro-government city district councilman. He won re-election twice in both 2003 and 2007. Sadly, not long after he was re-elected for a second time, uh, Lau Jiwen fell ill with pulmonary disease and he died on May 15, 2008 at a rather young age of 56. I never met him, but there's a rather personal connection between me and his family because I know his sister, Monica Lau, whom my late mother worked for uh, because her, his sister actually uh, is in the U.S. He is the, she's the, uh, the manager at Family Bridges, a nonprofit community that catered to Asian, uh, uh, Asian immigrants in, in Oakland. And so my late mom actually worked for her for many years. There's again a great dramatic scene here in the locker room. If she talk about mongrel, you know, Zhap Zhong, which literally means mixed breed, you know, Zhap Zhong is a very, very derogatory term. It's really, you know, it's really bad to call someone of a, you know, it's called like Eurasian or someone of a mixed race a Zhap Zhong, because basically you, you imply that they're, they're dogs, you know, like they're mixed breed, like, like how you mix uh, breeds you know, for the dogs. So it's a very, you know, really. It's a really, really bad term that you really shouldn't be using. Mina! Mina! So, Joyce Gadenzi, born in Hong Kong in 1965 to an Australian father, was a Hong Kong government official turned businessman and a Chinese mother. She started doing modeling while still in high school. And upon her graduation, she was encouraged to compete in 1984 Miss Hong Kong pageant by a modeling agency, which had, which had groomed one of his models, Maggie Jung, to compete the year before. Joyce won the title, 1984 Miss Hong Kong, in addition to winning the Miss Photogenic Award after an unsurprising victory. Many expected her to do well in Miss Universe in Miami. However, she only won third place in the national costume competition. So after returning to Hong Kong, Joyce decided to pursue a film career. She wanted to become an action actress, so she begged Samuel here to accept her as a female member of his Stuntman Association. She was nominated for Best Supporting Actress at the 1988 Hong Kong Film Awards for a role as the Cambodian guerrilla leader in Samuel's 1987 Vietnam War action epic Eastern Condors, which is my favorite Samuel Hong film. It's also available from Eureka. So she was one of the few you know, Miss Hong Kong champion, you know, Miss Hong Kong winner, who could, who could establish herself as an action actress. She had a relatively... A brief film career, though, as she only appeared in 11 films between 1986 and 1991 before retiring in 1991. Now, <clears throat> it had been said that Joyce fell for Samuel while making Eastern Condor at a time when Samuel was still married to his first Korean wife. And that's how she fell for Samuel during that time when she made six films with him between 1986 and 1988. So they basically hit the relationship to the point where Joyce had to retire from acting to avoid getting exposed. Samuel, however, has said that he didn't fall for Joyce until after his divorce, as he admitted that he was also kind of fooling around with other women even during his first marriage. <clears throat> so Joyce left the entertainment industry in 1991 altogether, although she did make a cameo appearance in Jackie Chan's 1997 film, Mr. Nice Guy, which was directed by her husband by then, Samuel Hong. Uh, Joyce and Samuel were married in 1995, a year after Samuel divorced his Korean wife. Samuel and Joyce were married in New Jersey, and they then went back to Hong Kong to take their wedding pictures. I actually met Joyce and Samuel at the 2010 New York Asian Film Festival. Samuel was a Lifetime Achievement Award recipient, and Joyce came with her to New York as her interpreter, and also you know to make sure everything's okay. Because at that time, he I think I believe he had just had like some major surgery, and so 
he wasn't really that you know in a very good like he wasn't in top physical shape so she was there to make sure everything's okay <clears throat> i still remember i took her to macy's on 34th street in downtown manhattan to buy shoes for samuel because samuel forgot to bring his usual uh like you know, the thick you know shoe with a thick uh <clears throat> bottom so that you know because you know i mean you know those shoes like the shoes meant for like people who are a bit uh, you know chubby and you know chubbier people for for more better support he forgot to bring those shoes so i took joyce to macy's at 34th street she's very nice she's very nice very unpretentious very friendly always smiling um she clearly cared for Samo, you know, because every time when Samo didn't feel too well, she just looked very worried. And But overall, you know, they had a great time. I hope they had a great time. They seemed to have a great time. By the end of the, you know, end of their thing, she was, they were there for like three days. And um, anyway, it, I, it, I was just such an honor and privilege to, you know, be able to have uh, met them and also kind of, you know, uh, assisted them during the festival. I was kind of like a liaison, guest liaison for you know Samo, uh, Joyce, and Samo Yam, Simon Yam, who was also there to to get a Star Asia award. So that was a very memorable experience. I love that. See, now you suddenly have these little reference creeping in, like Wang Dai Lui, you know, emperor, princess. You Wang Dai Lui means emperor's daughter. And of course, the relation will be, you know, when all the reference to all these imperial things will become much clearer later on, you know, by the time uh, Tony Leung's character is killed. <laughs> now you really kind of have this jungle warfare thing doing, you know, the, the Vietnamese are using these jungle warfare tactics against the cops, they're very Rambo-like. You know, all these traps with the ropes, you know, with the arrows. That was a pretty in incredible stunt there. The fall. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty crazy. That was really her being hanged on the neck and then it's, they, they raise her up with the wire. <laughs> Again, a crazy falling stunt, although probably done by a stunt double. I mean, stunt doubling is very common in Hong Kong film. I mean, the main thing is to make sure that, you know, your actors don't get hurt. Because if your actors, I mean, the actors may be capable of doing the stunt. But hey, if they get hurt, there was no movie, you know. I mean, knowing how, you know, I mean, like how quickly they turn, you know, turn these films out. You can't afford to have actors getting injured. So, which is why, you know, on for more some of the more dangerous stunts you have stuntmen performing, and we have this kind of gruesome death to Tony here. Notice his name, Wong Zhongbo. That name, just remember the name because I'm going to talk about that during the bank, uh, the banquet, the birthday banquet. Nice kick by Joyce here. Boom, the shoes falling off there. Again, you notice every time they want to feature a particular action, a particular move, they will, you know, show it in slow motion. And again, that was a crazy fall by two stuntmen off the tree there. Yep, she she mad now.
from here on, this is really kind of the start of the film's, you know, melodramatic part. Which some audiences, especially Western audiences, will find, you know, rather long. Uh, they feel like the movie kind of gets bogged down in the middle because because you know, Tony Leung dies. You know, your, your hearts are being, you know, your heartstrings being, you know, being teared. And, and everyone, you know, mourns his death for like, what, 20 minutes. And they feel, you know, some people feel, well, you know, you should have just cut the, cut them all down, make them like just five minutes, and this, and this movie would have been, you know, better, you know, and, um, you know, some audience, some audience probably didn't, you know, didn't take it too well to the melodramatic leanings here, and with all the borderline tear-jerking moments like here, and then of course later on with the funeral and all that. But I'll explain why this is all necessary, so to speak, at that time. We have this traditional... Chinese buffet for birthdays and weddings. Uh, the the food they serve for birthday and weddings are pretty similar, with a few exceptions. And of course, you know, usually they, you can go to the restaurant, play mahjong for a few hours. Uh, usually the, they would say like four o'clock or six o'clock you can come, and then dinner would start at eight. So that's why when he said, "Well, it's almost ten, you know, <laughs> boy, you know, that's two hours late. You got to start the dinner." So of course, so that's the Shine, letting the mahjong players know. Okay, time to eat. You know, you can go and sit down at a, at a uh, banquet table. Of course, you have the the suckling pork here, very traditional Chinese dish for birthdays and weddings. That's the Chinese version of the happy birthday song. So, so now I'll explain why. This all this, you know, melodramatic moments are here in this film. Uh, there's two reasons. First, uh, this whole sequence leading up to you know the funeral was an exact exact replica of the many tea jerk tear jerking moments from the TV series, the seasons. And so, for those fans who are familiar with the TV series, you know, I mean, which is most of the Hong Kong audiences. They will kind of recognize right away. Okay, they're trying to replicate one of those tear-jerking scenes or these this, you know, dramatic moments from the season because you have you know Dong Big ones as Mata, right? So you, know, you have such a you know the, the the major main main female character from the TV series in this film. So basically, they're really kind of like you know riding on the popularity of the season TV series, and that's why you have this extended sequence where here where they have to pretend everything's okay. They have to. Hide their, you know, hide their grief and 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 join the rest of them, you know, by celebrating mother's birthday. And of course, you have all these deliberate things. They ask you, "Where have you guys been?" Blah blah blah. You know, and of course, they cannot answer because they knew, you know. See, I mean, this is like just this is like tearing them apart, and like right, right, right. You know, this is all tearing them apart in terms of internally, right. Because you know, Chinese wedding. I mean, sorry, with the birthday, you know, for the elder, you have to kind of kneel and bow and celebrate. You know, wish them a happy birthday, longevity, and then of course the uh, the birthday girl, birthday woman, or whoever will give the lice. Similarly, in wedding banquet, you know, the wedding banquet. You know, when you when the couple bow to the you know mother and father in laws, and then serve them tea. 
they will return by giving them the lazy, you know, go pack it, a red packet with the money in it. It's all for good luck, you know. Very Chinese, you know, very Chinese, you know, uh, cultural thingy. Everything's in red here. You see, red, of course, the Chinese color for you know, happiness. So anyway, so in addition to this being a replica of a lot of the dramatic moments that you see in the seasons TV series. Is actually also a modern retelling of the Yang family warriors. The generals of the Yang family is a collection of Chinese folklore, plays, and novels on the military family, the Yang family, from the earlier years of, of the China's Song Dynasty, which is between 960 and 1279 AD. So, so the stories recount all this unflinching loyalty and remarkable bravery of the Yangs as they sacrificed themselves to defend the country from foreign military powers. And there are many stories devoted to the Yang family and the male siblings, but perhaps the most famous story involved the female generals of the Yang family. So when Western Xia invaded Song, the um, <clears throat> you know several of the male warriors from the Yang family died, and there was few males left in the Yang family. So the twelve women in the family participated in the campaign against the Western invaders of Xia. The female generals of the Yang family proved that they were not inferior to the male counterparts, right? So the story of the female Yang warriors have been made into many TV and film adaptations. And Lao Gala devoted the entire opening sequence of his Shaw Brothers film Eight Diagram Pole Fighters to it, with the late Alexander Fu Sheng being the only remaining male warrior of the Yang family after that brutal battle in the film. TVB did a TV adaptation with veteran actress Lisa Wang Womingchun, playing the head of the Yang family, so similar to Mada's character here. Uh, in the TV series, Yuan Mun Lei Zhang, the Yang family, female warriors, and Ronnie Yu of the of the Bride of White Hair, Bride of Chucky, Jet Li's Fearless, and Freddy vs. Jason fame, also adapted one of the many Yang family folklores in his 2013 film, Saving General Yang, which was still his last directed film as of 2023. So that's why, you know, this is basically a modern retelling, you know, of the Song Dynasty story about the Yang family female soldiers, you know. They lost their patriarch and six sons while defending against, you know, the Siah, the Turkish tribe, you know, in the north. And so one grandson was left to carry on the family name. And that person's name, Wang Zhong, Yuan Zhongbao, which is, of course, Tony Leung's name in this film. You know, he, of course, he is... Uh, Wang Zhongbo, but you know, in the Yang family, sorry, it was Yang Zhongbo. So you can now see the name is uh, really the same. You know, he married a woman that everyone in the family did not accept. Same here, right? Same here. Uh, and then with the sole exception of the mother character, you know, uh, the uh, matriarch. So eventually, Zhongbo also died in battle, but not before fathering a son to carry on the family heir. So, of course, here, like just like in this film. We'll find out later that, you know, Mina's character, you know, Joy's uh, character, is pregnant. And so uh, his wife, in, in the Yang family saga, Wang, uh, Yang, Yang Zhongbo's wife, which is Mo Guai Ying, which is really Joy's character here. You know, uh, so Joyce is kind of playing a modern version of Mo Guai Ying, became, you know, the, known as the Yuan clan's uh, fierce fighter. And the remaining Yang, woman, Yang family women, you uh, form a female army to fight the tribes with Guaying as their leader. So this whole banquet scene in this film where the women learn about, you know, uh, Tony Leung's, you know, uh, Wang Zhongbo's death is identical to the manner in which the young women are told 
of uh, uh, Yang Zhongbo's passing in the folklore. So that's Teddy Yip here, Yip Wen Zhou is a fellow cop, uh, Tolsting. He's another character actor, most well known for being killed by Chow Yun-Fat in John Was the Killer. He has starred in close to 100 films between 1966 and 2002. Uh, he was also in Samuel's My Lucky Stars and Express, both available from Eureka. He often appears in films for very short periods of time, but you always remember his distinct, distinctive look. See, he just said Wong Ga Zhang again, two meaning here. Wang Gaolui, of course, the film's Chinese title, which is the Royal Family Female Warriors, so referring to the Royal Hong Kong Police, because they're all in the, in, you know, they're all in the, in the law, they're all in law enforcement, they're all in the force. But he also meant it can also be interpreted as the Wong Family Female Warriors, because Wang Ga and Wang, the word Wang Royal is also the same, sound the same as the Chinese word for the last name Wang, so. In a way, he's saying both. He's referring to them not just as the cop, the Royal Hong Kong Police cop, but also as the Wong family female warriors. <laughs> so that's the familiar sound of the TVB news theme. So the person reporting the news on the TV screen is Leung Gawing here. He's an actual TV news reporter in his only Hong Kong film cameo. He would later became he would later become the head of RTHK, Hong Kong's you know the like kind of like the PBS of uh, Hong Kong, you know like BBC of Hong Kong, radio television of Hong Kong. And uh, he <clears throat> you know he was um, head of the RTHK for six years, and you know he is kind of open-minded, democratic, and he's often criticized by the Hong Kong government for really his laissez-faire way of, of you know, programming for RDHK, and he was often criticized by the you know, pro-government and the conservative parties, you know, the pro-China people in Hong Kong. But during his reign at RTHK, he was able to really keep you know, journalistic freedom. You know, he really kept independent. You know, he, really kept, he was able to keep you know, journalistic independence for the station, so he would have a lot of the program that touches on you know, sensitive social topics. But he was forced out of his job six months before the end of his contract, replaced by someone who's pro-China, who, who eventually removed all of the RTHK's talk shows and made the station more of a propaganda mouthpiece for the Hong Kong and China government now. Again, you have these tear-jerking moments that fans of the season TV series will be very familiar with. So Tang Big Wan, legendary Cantonese opera performer, and film and TV actress, she dubbed her own voice here. She had to because her voice was so distinctive and so recognizable. She was born in Canton province in China in 1924. After she finished her elementary school training, she went to Hong Kong, uh, finished high school there. She had loved drama since she was a kid. And so by the time she was only 13, that's Lan Gaoing again on the TV there. So by the time she was 13, she started learning Cantonese opera and singing. And she became a professional Cantonese opera performer at the age of fourteen, and became a, like a, like a diva performer by you know, when she was only fifteen years old. She's good at playing both female and male characters. She can speak like many different dialects, so she earned her nickname, the versatile queen of divas. And during the uh, Sino-Japanese War in the late thirties and early forties, she went to Macau and performed there, and then she went to. Uh, went back to Guangzhou after the war, and then in 1950 she uh, went to Hong Kong and started appearing in movies, which uh, mostly consists of comedy. But then she you know, she often played like 
you know, uh, mom characters or city characters, kind of Shirley Temple kind of characters. Um, overall, she starred in 250 films by 1967, and so she went into early retirement. Now, in 1977, um, the... Uh, TVB successively successfully invited her to um, to re- come out of retirement and acted in TV because by then she's already not making any movies. She hasn't made movies in like for twelve years, uh, for ten years actually since nineteen sixty seven. Semi retired, so they invited her. She persuaded TVB persuaded her to come out and star in a TV series, and that kind of really launched her latter career in the TV series. Now that of course very Chinese, you know, pouring the Pouring the wine to the ground, sort of like pouring the wine to the, to the uh, you know, to the clay, to the ground, to the soil for the deceased. And of course, they have to take down the flower because this is too colorful. Now they have to be in mourning. They have to take off the colorful flowers. So anyway, so she began. So she started her TV career in the late seventies, and she often played the mother characters. And so, and then in the you know the TV series uh, the season. She her character just it was just called Mata and you know, mother, which is you know the Chinese word Mata come from the English word mother and became hugely popular. And so uh, afterward, when she starred in movies and commercials, she was always referred to as Mata too. She continued to work until early 1990 when her health started deteriorating and she passed away on March 23rd, 1991. She was only 66 years old and. Her family, uh, in memory, you know, in uh, in memorial of her, donated a lot, almost all of her, you know, the money that she made from all these acting to charity. And so now you have quite a few uh, hospitals and like senior center in Hong Kong, and even kindergarten that are called Mata, like Mata uh, Senior Center, Mata Kindergartens, named after her character. Uh, she starred in a total of 285 films between 1950 and 1990. She Shoot Straight was her second to last film appearance. So now we understand why there's this extended, you know, uh, extended scenes of uh, melodrama, you know, uh, tear-jerking moments. It's really catered to the audiences who are so familiar with, you know, the season series. But I love this twist. I love how you know you you're still expecting all these you know, tear-jerking moments. All of a sudden, you have this guy throwing in this flower, the bomb, a remote bomb, and you know you obviously just blew up her her husband's corpse. But of course now you know, they're all kind of united now, right? With this, with this sharing the same experience. Now this is of course the Queen Elizabeth Hospital in Kowloon, the largest public hospital on the Kowloon side. And once again, these you know, these all these you know tense moments as they wait for the the fate of Mina's characters again straight out of you know soap opera, straight out of the season TV series, you know. You know, just like people who grew up watching TV, like TVB series, it will be so familiar with this kind of talk. Talks are coming out. Oh, you got to make a choice. You know, either this or that. Otherwise, you know, they'll lose their lives. You know, you can you, you know, if you have anesthetic, then the baby will not survive. Whereas here, you know, she said, well, no matter what, you know, the adult come first because you know, she 
she knows how important a family heir is to Mata. So she said, you know, I, I'll, you know, I can take this. I can do this. You know, don't put any anesthetic. I'll make sure that the son, you know, the heir, we don't even know what it is. A son or a daughter will stay alive. Of course, now you have this, you know, suspensive moment where Mata's praying, you know, to the gods. You know, the, the nurses are holding on to Mina's hand, you know. The character's got to make a choice, you know, and then you have the tension, you know, the praying, and all that, so. Again, very TV-like. I should talk about the two um, screenwriters of this film. So there's two screenwriters, uh, one by, one, one of them, Yun Gaiji, Yun Gaiji, and the late Barry Wong, Wong Beng Yu. Yun Gaiji was born in 1961. He uh, got his literature bachelor degree in Australia and then moved to Canada but then he went back to Hong Kong from Canada in 1982 and went to Shawbrook beginning his screenwriting careers he learned his craft from Alex Chung and Choi Hark and he's written over 60 uh, screenplays he written you know some of his more famous screenplays among his uh, scripts include The Seven Curves A Chinese Ghost Story I Love Maria uh, Pedicab Driver, this film, Once Upon a Time in China, which is also available from Eureka, and Jackie Chan's Drunken Master 2. Sadly, in 1989, he got involved in a car accident, and uh, he was paralyzed on the right hand, right, you know, right side of his body. And while he was in the hospital, he met his uh, future wife, the nurse, uh, Cindy, and got married, and he actually written a screenplay based on his experience you know, from a car accident and you know, falling in love with a nurse. And that film starred Nick Jung and uh, Fina Chu. And he was, uh, and then as he recovered, he was able to actually got his uh, doctor's degree in communication and began, uh, and then continued to write screenplay, but this time for television. So he's written a uh, screenplay for TV series for both TVB and ATV, which has you know, changed the name from Resolution. The other screenwriter was the late Barry Wong, Wong Beng Yu. He was born in 1946 after graduating from Hong Kong's Chinese University. Started writing TV screenplays again for both Red Vision Television and the now defunct CTV Networks. He joined Golden Harvest in 1980 and immediately became Sam Hong's go-to screenwriter. He collaborated with Sam on many of his classic films, including The Prodigal Son, Carry On Pickpocket, The Dead and the Deadly, Yes Madam, Linus Express, Mr. Vampire 1 and 2, Heart of Dragon, Eastern Condos, Pedicap Driver, and the Lucky Stars film, and many of these films are also available from Eureka. Barry will also star in the film for which he wrote the screenplays. He will later go on to collaborate with Stephen Chow on his comedies like the Fight Back to School series, in which he plays Stephen Chow's boss. Barry was one of the most prolific screenwriters in Hong Kong with screenplays to close to 60 films. He written screenplays of close to 60 films between 1980 and 1991 before he sadly passed away from a heart attack in 1991. He's only 44 years old. So we had the hint that, you know, Samuel was actually kind of demoted here because of his behavior. So it sounds like before, Samuel was actually on equal ranking with, you know, David Lau, Lao Jiwing here. Again, this is very TV, like, you know, you have the mother character reminding, reminding the bad guy, don't forget, you know, their father looked after you when he was alive, you know. So these are very traditional Chinese way of acting too. You know. 
。老實講啊，以佢哋而家咁嘅心情點出嚟做嘢啊，好容易撞板。Look, I mean, look how great her acting is. Look, she's, I mean, her head is constantly moving, her eyes is moving. She's making, she's making gestures at every single word that he's saying. 话俾你知啊，我系你上司啊，玉亲，我要你终身停职。衰仔，当年我我契爷睇住你，你边有今日啊？唔好同我讲当年啊，而家一九九零年，当年你高我三级。See, you were sweeter than about me, so Samuel would have done something that somehow led to him being demoted. Of course, now you have this upcoming cheer, you know, moment for audiences to cheer. And when Deng Bigwan slapped, you know, David Lau, and then make this kung fu pose. 我乜都唔系，系普通嘅家庭主妇啫。And here, I love this. You know, Jose, Songha. This is a very TV because、uh, I mean, like the season have tons of the moments like this where you have again you have similar arguments, and then you know, the big one's mother character will you know say have none of it and say you know you can go now. You know, Songha. You know, Amaho Songha. You know, love it. You know, sending the gas off all straight off the season. So now Samuel's also suspended. So basically, you have another male character kind of out of the picture in this extended family, which is, of course, you know,、uh, it's just all paving the way for the girls, you know, for the for the women in this film to to kick ass. Again, nice little comedic moment here. You know, Samuel's about to give him the middle finger. You know, Mother said, "No, don't do it," because brush him away and you know, let me. You know, he's almost like here. Let me give him the finger. Yeah, <laughs> love it. Yeah. Of course, you can't do that on television. So it's always great to have TV actresses and actors doing things that you can't do on television in film. Again, the story very straightforward from the very beginning, which we, you know, I appreciate in an action film like this. But then again, this is not like your usual, you know. Uh, Hong Kong action film where the plot is rather mundane, very perfunctory, merely to move things along until the next action sequence. There's actually a story here. There's actually characterizations here. You know, of course, you have heavyweight actresses like you know Deng Bigwan here, and and then you also have great TV actors like you know uh, uh, you know Lau Jiwen, which of course contribute greatly to the you know dramatic aspect of the film. And of course, the ladies all did very well. You know, that's why you have a lot of TV actresses. You know. You know, when you're Angelina Jolie, Sandra,、mm, they're all from TV. So Helena Law, of course, even the armor, you know, whatever. The, I mean, no matter how minor her role is in this film, she also added a little bit of gravitas to this whole, you know, all the all the drama scenes in this film. So, and that's what's great about it, you know.、Um, you know, you have, you know, you really have some、uh, a good actor. I mean, a good story that goes along. The plot is actually a very good component. That goes along with the action, even though yes, it could be a little bit cliche,、uh, predictable even. But you know,、uh, you know, a bit soapy. But then again, they all dedicated to the story, and you can tell how hard work. I mean, you can tell how great their all their actings are. And I think、um, out of all the girls with guns movie from Hong Kong in the late eighties and early nineties, and this film, she shoots straight. It's really the one that really works as a movie overall, you know. You have great action sequences, but then you know Corey Yoon also knows like you know when you have dramatic moments, you know, and there's real weight to these moments here. And it's just shame that George Cadenzi wasn't in more of these kind of movies,、uh, 
um, you know, as he would retire from filmmaking altogether one year after this. So another like so in that, instead of just being a bunch of action sequences held together by this, like a flimsy plot, you actually have a pretty good plot here, very theatrical sometimes, but still you know, uh, you know you have a now basically this is now a revenge plot now right you know I love it how he you know she said I got the knives you know I got the gun you know so you have a revenge plot and you have tough ladies now which you know you know show really show their chops in the impressive fight scenes that's gonna you know come up. And you know, some may find the story a bit melodramatic. Some, of course, will find them very emotional. Uh, you know, uh, very you know, kind of emotional and also, uh, you know, tearful, right? Especially in that middle. But oh, in the end, this is a movie about kick-ass female cops. And so now we've come to really the action finale of this film. That is our director, Corey Yu, in a quick cameo as the boatman. You know, here's it, that's him. And now we're introduced <clears throat> late in the film to Zhong Fa, another veteran character, producer, stuntman, and martial arts choreographer, longtime member of Samuel Hong's stunt team. Zhong Fa with his uh, you know, trademark mustache uh, shaved. He was born in 1953, learned martial arts together with Lam Jing Ying and the Madame Fan Kuk Fa speaking opera school. So again, he's not from Yunhua or Jackie or Samuel's, um, you know, uh, Jimmy Yun school. <clears throat> so, Chung Fa's first film was Security Guardian of the Dragon, who fails to capture Bruce Lee when Lee was taking out the island in the middle of the night, and he was killed by Bolo Yang. And that really kind of started his film career. That's him right there, Chung Fa now in, you know, in a shirt and a tie. How often do you see Chung Fa in a shirt and a tie, right? He has appeared in 116 films between 1973 and 2020. Longtime member of Sam Hong's stunt team, appeared in many of Samuel's classics like End of the Fat Dragon, Warriors 2, Battle of the Butcher, and Counter the Spooky Kind, The Prodigal Son, Eastern Condos, and Dragons Forever. Fans of Yes, Madam would recognize him as Mad Dog, one of James Tian's henchmen, along with Dick Wai. Like I said, many of these films are also available from Eureka. There's Chan Yun there as the boat captain. And he's only appeared in five films between 1972 and 2002. Again, like, I like this little moment here where you kind of like eavesdropping on the conversation. The camera's kind of, you know, just, you know, uh, Gradually pushes in, almost almost like handheld. Uh, you know, I just like how it kind of you know added the intimacy of that moment between you know brother and sister. And of course, you can tell how like you know Corey Manghoi and Yindak, or basically the filmmakers, you know, they're trying to find new location for the final fight because you know we talk about it earlier. You know, this is nineteen ninety, you know, and so by then, you know, a lot of a lot of the other action films already has. You know, fights in warehouses, open space, etc. But this time's on an ocean vessel here, a freight carrier ship. So you have all these additional obstacles with the tight space, with the pipes, the lights, and all that stuff. So which kind of you know just make the fights more interesting because you you in this different environment you don't normally see. You know, you don't normally see fights uh, being staged on a vessel like this. By the way, I also love that earlier shot when uh, uh, Yunwa's sister uh, left on the boat, and then we saw. Karina and Mina in in their boat with the light shining on them. I just thought that was a very beautiful shot. So, you know, Corey Yun, you know, as the film's director and action choreographer, is born in 1951. He joined Yujin in Chinese Drama and Opera Academy School as he's, uh, when he was a kid. So he learned Peking Opera and Martial Arts with his fellow classmates, Samuel, Jackie, and Bill. 
collectively called the Seven of the Fortunes, joined the film industry in 1968, started working as a bit player in Stuntman, and became well known for his superior martial arts performance in Dance of the Drunk Mantis in 1979. He was then promoted to the post of martial arts director. So early martial arts director works in good uh, Dragon Lord and Zoo Warriors for the Magic Mountain in 1982. He began his directing debut with Ninja in the Dragon's Den, produced by Msi Yun. Then Msi Yun asked Yun, uh, Corey Yun, to go to America to direct the film No Retreat, No Surrender, under the name Corey Yun, starring then unknown Jean-Claude Van Damme. After he came back to Hong Kong you know, and discovered Cynthia Rothrock, he made one of his best action movies, Yes, Madam, which made Michelle Yeoh and Cynthia Rothrock female action stars overnight in Hong Kong. And Cynthia has often credited Corey Yun as the person responsible for her Hong Kong career. Some of Corey's other best works include Writing Wrongs, Eastern Condors, Braun Fury, a.k.a. Lady Reporter. This film and the two No Retreat, No Surrender films. Corey then founded a production company with Jet Li, and together they collaborated on such films as My Father's a Hero, New Legend of Shaolin, High Risk, and the two Fong Sai Yok films. Once Jet Li game started in America, uh, beginning with Lethal Weapon 4, which Corey also actually choreographed, Corey Yun also became, you know, Corey also began receiving attention by Hollywood. He worked in the, you know, the superhero blockbuster, X-Men, as an action director. He also handled the martial arts and action sequences in six of Jet Li's other American films, Romeo Must Die, Kiss of the Dragon, The One, Cradle to the Grave, War in the Expendables. He also partially directed The Transporter with Jason Staten and So Close with Shu Chi, and his team of stuntmen and martial artists returned for the Transporter sequel with Corey as the fight choreographer and second unit director. Corey's more recent action work includes John Woo's Red Cliff and Shaolin, uh, Jones Redcliffe and then Benny Chan's uh, Shaolin with Andy Lau and Jackie Chan. Overall, Corey has acted in over 126 films, directed 26 films and done action martial arts choreography on over 50 films in a career that spans from 1968 to 2017. He appears to have retired reportedly due to health reasons. Now we have um, Karina Lau in slasher mode here with a double sword and Kormina continue to uh, using her guns. So this is really out of the norm for Karina. Like that's actually a stunt double doing. And you can tell they're pad padded too to prevent injuries from the fall. But it's amazing to have Karina play against Tybi as it's, you know, female cop in rage, you know, slashing slashing bad guys left and right. And I think it has to be quite, I mean, I'm pretty sure this brutality in this fight sequence is probably contributed to Mang Hoi. I always felt that whenever Mang Hoi is, is uh, on hand, the fights tend to be, you know, particularly brutal, you know, a little bit more uh, visceral, you know, visceral than, than than your typical fight sequences. Like in Royal Warrior, you know, Mang Hoi's fight choreography in Royal Warriors, which is also available from Erika, is amazing. But yeah, look, Mina is in top shape here, you know, look at this. And just the way she climbs through all these narrow spaces and ladders. Boom! I mean, so it's pretty amazing to have you know Miss Hong Kong becoming you know, what the Hong Kong is called a you know, da loi, you know, basically a fight girl, a fight lady. Well, da loi, loi is more like girl, so boom. That's her you know, with wires assist, you know, assist from the wires, and she did that uh, mid-air leap and kick there. Boom! That's Chung Fat actually getting kicked in the face by Mina. 
Again, this looks you know this film looks fantastic. You know, for a thirty-three year film, for a thirty-three year old film, this film looks fantastic. And also, you know, it really holds up after all these years, especially with these right that has to be like a little shining homage there with the axe to the door. But look at Karina going all out, boom. Now that's obviously is a stun double. But it's just the <clears throat> you know, how ruthless, how brutal this fight sequence is. And that's her leaping up. Well, earlier, that's the earlier shot. There was a shot where uh, pre, probably a stunt double there wearing a wig. Can you notice there's not a lot of blood here? Because obviously they don't want to get too brutal. Great choreography here. I love that shot where you see the guy getting slashed in the throat, and you see that close up of her in a really angry face. That's a nice kick. Again, you don't expect Karina Loud to be such you know so good with action. And then, of course, the gun is a very dirty, hairy, right? You know, 0.38 Magnum kind of gun. That has to be a stunt double getting flipped over the rail by Yunwa there. That was a good, nice kick right there. Back kick. Now Sam will do the rescue. Again, note how, you know, Samuel's role in this film is really, you know, kind of sidetracked. I mean, I'm sure it's a deliberate decision so that, you know, so that the ladies can shine through here. This is essentially, in a way, yes, this is kind of like a feminist film. You know, the female, you know, the self-power, empower, you know, empower women, empower ladies here while, while men kind of, you know, took a back seat here. I mean, the, you know, the, poli the men in the police force here kind of took a back seat. So here we go. We'll finally see Samuel in some nice little action here. Brief but great. Samuel once again dubbed by the Lei Lan Bo Chun, who you know has been dubbing Samuel's voice in the film for so many years, many years. So you see Angeli there on the right, Sarah Lee with a cap, Sandra with long hair. 
，呢全唔係老人院啊，好多禽獸噶，著咁少衫，因住冷親喎。我冷下唔緊要，我嚟捉禽獸啊，冷都要頂硬上咧。呢啲嘢我哋警方做嘅，你老而不方便，翻去早啲唞吧啦。老 Sir， 紅常嗰啲壓住個犯人翻緊嚟啊。嗯唔知你早唞定我早唞啦。And the great thing about you know Dang Bic Wan's acting here is even though she's from the earlier you know the black and white Chinese film era, her acting is not you know is not of the old kind, not the old school kind. She was she was able to adapt it, so that you know she her acting is not exaggerated, not very operatic, right? It's still Feel very modern, you know, very natural. It's not exaggerated. It's not like she's, you know, it's almost like she's not hamming it, so to speak. Aling, Aling, you don't go out there. 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 叫我哋行开，唔好怕你，唔好怕你，做大佬就杀死佢。你杀啊！我个仔都死喺你手上啦，唔争再死埋呢个女啊！你唔杀佢就。Great dramatic moment here, you know, really, really, you know, the film is really nice showcase of of her, you know, of her career, so to speak, you know, because because he got slashed by Sam Lee here. But then you have this dramatic moment with Yun Wah's sister, you know, Agnes Aurelio, hooking, stabbing, stabbing mother with a hook. But everything will be fine. She's not dead. She will be fine. Because if she dies, oh boy, the audience will be, will be pissed. Now, of course, now she's in true rage mode. She's gonna go back. She's gonna go after them. This is all shot in a new territory. At that time, still kind of in development. You can see like new residential housing in the back earlier in that earlier shot. Uh, now, of course, new territories are fully developed. And yes, that's her riding the bike. That's her on a motorbike. Nice stunt here, slow motion. Hard to tell whether that was actually Yunwa doing the stunt here. It's possible, because he's of course he's also a stuntman. So that's the end of Yunwa here. Now we have this great, you know, girl and girl fight between uh, George Gadenzi and Agnes Aurelio. 
Um, uh, Agnes has only starred in four Hong Kong films. This film, The Big Score, licensed still in all for the gamblers. And all within two years, 1990 and 1991. And she just disappeared. I mean, this film, this fight here between her and Mina, Joyce Mina Gansi, is really a pretty, you know, classic. She also have a great, you know, she also played like a really nice, nasty character in The Big Score as well. And a little bit of trivia here. Agnes also had a minor role as a staff member of District Attorney Jim Garrison, played by Kevin Costner, in Oliver Stone's 1991 classic film, JFK. So she's really cursing. She's basically cursing Vietnamese here, you know. Although she didn't say F you here, but she's basically, you know, Mothering, you know, bad words in Vietnamese. Boom. Again, slow motion to emphasize the impact. Again, I mean, I don't think you really need baby powder in this case to emphasize the, you know, the, the hits. You have all these, uh, you know, sand and dust. Boom. Now, that's probably a stunt double wearing a wig there. That's not Agnes getting hit by Joyce. But Joyce definitely actually hit whoever that was. Boom, boom, boom. Three kicks. Is an amazing kick right there. Boom. I mean, I personally think, I mean, I love Joy's uh, performance in Eastern Condors, you know. Now, she did say F you just now. But like I said, I love Joyce as the Cambodian guerrilla leader in, you know, in um, Eastern Condors. Again, nice little Bruce, again, like a, you know, little Bruce Lee thing here with the thumbs down. Boom. And notice how, you know, well, you know, they're willing to slow down the action to show you the impact of the, you know, of the move, the fight. So, like, you know, you all, they will be fighting in normal speed, and all of a sudden, you know, you slow down so you can see, like, George kicking her in the stomach, like, kicking her in the groin. And I also don't see a lot of undercranking here, undercranking, of course, shooting it, shooting the fight in a, a slower speed so that when, uh, when they play in, the normal speed appears faster. Whereas, well, you see a lot of slow motion shots here, you know. Personally, I would love a more brutal way to end the fight, but I guess, I guess uh, that would be kind of out of character for for the Joyce character. So, but in terms of acting, this is definitely her 
best performance, you know, best overall performance in a brief filmography here. And as we just see her, you know, riding a bicycle, motorcycle away, we have come to the end of the film. So anyway, I hope you've enjoyed this film. I think this film definitely should be much better known than, um, you know, the other films, like, you know, other Girls with, uh, uh, with Gun films. And funny thing is, you know, Tai Seng, where we used to work, we used to sell this film without subtitles. And people will still call in order and say, I don't care. I, I just want, you know, I didn't want to watch the action. You know, sometimes people will return and say, hey, there's no subtitle. But most of the time, you know, so, you know, when they order, I say, you know, just so you know, this film has no English subtitle, no subtitle whatsoever. And they say, I don't care. You know, I just want to watch, you know, girls on girl action, girl fighting, girls shooting up, and girls being badasses. So, anyway, I hope you enjoy my commentary. Be sure to check out all the other Eureka's, you know, Asian and Hong Kong cinema releases. Uh, please continue to support Eureka so that they can bring you more of these classic, classic you know, action cinema title from Hong Kong or other parts of Asia um, so that we can bring you more of these films, you know, all remastered to, you know, both old and new generation of film lovers. So uh, until next time, take care and bye-bye. <laughs>